today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Psalm 119 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The word of God gives us direction. It shows us the way we should go and what to do. And sometimes, you know what this is like. Sometimes uh, you're in a situation, you're, you're trying to figure something out, what to do, and, and you're in the Word of God, and you're reading, and sometimes God leads you to a passage of Scripture that parallels your circumstances. Have you ever learned a word and then you hear it everywhere? We think it's a word we'd never heard before, but the reality is we just weren't privy to it. Pastor Dan reminds us in the message today that our walk with the Lord often looks similar to learning that new word. We can be familiar with the passage, even know it by heart, but it doesn't mean anything until it does. Until you're going through a trial and that verse is everything, you don't fully understand. If you rely on God and let Him lead you, He'll direct you to the very information or encouragement that you need to hear. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Genesis chapter 6 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. we were saved. Many of us were were completely unaware of just how immoral we were and just how corrupt we were. We were blind to our own sinfulness and our own depravity. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul says, Satan blinds the mind of the non-believer. We were blinded spiritually. We were spiritually blind, spiritually blind to our own condition, blind to our need for Jesus Christ, blind to our need to be rescued until God, by His grace and mercy, opened our eyes to the truth about who we are and our need for Jesus Christ. And we were born again and the old things passed away and everything was made new. Now now that we're saved, sometimes we we look back at our life before Christ and we, we, we cringe at just how blind we were to our immorality and just how blind we were to how lost we were. And thank God that he saved us, right? Thank God that by his mercy that he brought us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Well, in the days of Noah, people were completely unaware of their condition. The Bible tells us that there is another judgment that will come upon the earth. God will once again judge mankind just as he did in the days of Noah. But this time it's not going to be by a flood. It's going to be... By fire, the Bible says, and Jesus said it will be just like the days of Noah. Mankind will once again become full of moral corruption and violence. And just like the days of Noah, mankind will be blind to his moral condition. And mankind will be taken by surprise by the judgment. Jesus said judgment will come like a thief in the night. Catch the world off guard unaware. So God's going to judge the earth. And in verse 14, God tells Noah to build an ark. God provides a way of escape from the judgment that is coming. And the ark is a picture of Jesus Christ. God has provided one way to escape the flood. 
God did not tell Noah to build two arks or ten arks. He told Noah to build one ark. One way of escape. And God has provided one way for us to escape the coming judgment through faith in Jesus Christ. That's the one way God has provided for salvation. God has not provided a variety of ways for mankind to be saved. There's one way through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way. Jesus is the only way. He's the only way to escape God's judgment because Jesus is the only one who died on the cross for our sins as our substitute to take God's judgment for us, standing in our place, taking the judgment and wrath of God. Noah was delivered from judgment by a wooden ark. We are delivered by the wooden cross of Calvary, where Jesus bled for us and died for us to save us. The cross of Jesus Christ is the only way God has provided to be saved. In Noah's day, the ark was the only way that God provided for mankind to be saved. And he tells Noah here in verse 14, make an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark. Literally nests. Make nests in the ark. He tells them to make the ark of of gopher wood. Now, we don't really know what gopher wood is. This is the only place in the Bible that mentions gopher wood. Uh, We aren't sure what gopher wood is or what it was in Noah's day. Some suggest it could be cypress. Uh, Some translations, maybe your translation says cypress, that he built the ark of cypress. Uh, It could mean that. It's possible that it's not referring to a type of tree or a type of wood at all, but but to a way of processing the wood. Uh, The Septuagint, for example, uses a word here for squared lumber. Make the ark of squared lumber or squared beam. So so gopher wood could be the name of the, the process Of squaring lumber. So God may not be telling Noah what kind of wood to use. He may be telling Noah what to do to process the wood to build with it. Square it. Make the timber square. Whatever it means, Noah knew what it meant. Uh, And that's really all that's important. Noah understood what God was saying here by gopher wood. And Noah was to make rooms. He was to make nests in the ark. And then he was, it says, to cover the ark. Inside and out with pitch. Now pitch is a a resin that is used to waterproof boats. Wooden boats. It's also used to uh, make the wood harder. And more impact resistant. So Noah is to build an, an ark out of wood. And then he's to cover the ark inside and out with pitch. Now, if you're, a, if you're a note taker, you can jot down Exodus chapter 2. And there in Exodus chapter 2, the, the mother of Moses, whose name was Jochebed, you remember the story, she placed Moses in a basket on the Nile River. Remember, Pharaoh had ordered all of the Hebrews to kill their male children, that, their male babies, by tossing them into the Nile River. And instead... Moses' mother, Jochebed, she took and built a basket and put Moses in the basket and put him on the Nile River in the basket. And the word that's used in Exodus chapter 2 for basket, it's actually the same word that's used here for ark. So Moses' mother put 
baby Moses into an ark. And it says in Exodus chapter 2 verse 3. Before she put Moses in the ark. She took this, this woven ark. This woven basket. And she covered it inside and out. With pitch. And then she placed her baby son in that little ark. On the Nile River. I suggest to you that Moses' mother Jochebed. Got the idea to place her son in a basket that was covered with pitch from the story of Noah and the ark. That's an example of someone applying God's word to their personal circumstances, right? Of someone who's looking for answers, who's looking for direction, and they're going to the word of God, and they read Genesis 6, and they say, I know what I can do, I can build an ark. Just like Noah built an ark, and I'll put my son in an ark on the Nile River. That's why we want to search the scriptures for our answers and search the scriptures for direction in our circumstances. You know, Psalm 119 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The word of God gives us direction. It shows us the way we should go and what to do. And sometimes, you know what this is like. Sometimes uh, you're in a situation, you're, you're trying to figure something out, what to do, and and you're in the Word of God, and you're reading, and sometimes God leads you to a passage of Scripture that parallels your circumstances or your situation that you can directly apply. And for Moses' mother, Jochebed, she read Genesis 6. She thought of Genesis 6. And she said, you know what? I, I I can build an ark just like Noah did. And I can put my son in this ark. And that's what she did. So now we come to verse 15, and the Lord says to Noah, and this is how you shall make it. The length of it shall be 300 cubits, its width 50 cubits, and its height 30 cubits. You know, God here gives Noah the the basic details of how to build uh, this ark. But, you know, he doesn't really give him... Step-by-step details. He doesn't give Noah an exact blueprint of how to build this thing. He gives him some general kind of guidelines here. But, you know, the rest is really up to Noah to figure out. And sometimes God will give us very specific kind of step-by-step instruction. And other times God will, will give us just kind of a basic outline or a basic framework for us to use. And then, you know, that gives us kind of the freedom to walk in the Spirit and figure it out, being led by the Spirit. Here he's given just some basic framework. Uh, He's told the dimensions of the ark. The ark should be 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide, and 30 cubits tall. Now, a cubit in the ancient world, it uh, it was a measurement that was equal to the length from your elbow to the tip of your finger. And so this distance right here. And so a cubit was about 18 inches. So if you take a cubit as 18 inches, that means the ark was to be 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet tall. We'll return to today's edition of Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton in a moment. But first, Pastor Dan would like to extend a special invitation to our listeners. 
If you've enjoyed the messages on Ring of Truth, I'd like to personally invite you to join us this Sunday at Calvary Chapel. We're located in Columbia, Maryland, just five minutes from Routes 29, 95, and 100. I'd love for you to come be part of our time of worship and Bible study this weekend at 9 or 11 a.m. I always enjoy meeting listeners of Ring of Truth, so please be sure to introduce yourself to me after church. To find out more information and to get directions, visit our website at calvaryec.com. Thanks, Pastor Dan. That website again is calvaryec.com. We look forward to seeing you. Now, back to today's message. Verse 16 says, And you shall make a window for the ark, and you shall finish it to a cubit from above. So they were to put a window near the top of the ark, And that window allowed sunlight to get into the ark, and it allowed for uh, ventilation, which it was, you know, they needed ventilation on the ark with all of those animals. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been down to the National Zoo in Washington, D.C. and gone into the elephant house. Uh, If you have, you know how important ventilation is uh, and how much and how badly Noah needed ventilation on the ark. Uh, So they were to put a window in. Verse 16 says, and set the door of the ark in its side. Now, I mentioned earlier that the ark is a picture of Jesus Christ. The ark had only one door. God provided one way to be saved. That was through the ark. And there was only one door into the ark. There was only one way in. In John chapter 10, Jesus said, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. Jesus Christ is the door. He's the one door that God has provided. Jesus is the door to salvation. Jesus said, no one can come to the Father but through me. He's the only door to the Father. He's the only door to eternal life. He's the only door to heaven. He's the only door to God. And a person must go through the door. Go through the door to receive all that Jesus Christ has provided. That door is good for nothing if it's never used, if a person never enters in through the door. And so you have to go through the door. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean to go through the door of Jesus Christ, you have to repent of your sins. That means to change your mind about the way that you're living and then change your behavior to turn from your sins. That's what it means to repent of your sins, to turn from your sins and then put your faith in Jesus Christ's death and resurrection for you. That's how you enter through the door of Jesus Christ. So God has provided salvation, and that salvation is through Jesus Christ. And that's the only salvation that God has provided for mankind. And I say, hey, praise the Lord that he's provided a way of salvation. He's provided that way through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the door. He's the way into eternal life, but you have to go through the door to receive eternal life. You do that through repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. And then we come to the end of verse 16. You shall make it with lower, second, and third deck. So it's got three decks inside this ark. Now, one question that people ask about Noah's ark is how did Noah possibly fit all the animals in the ark? 
Well, I'm going to give you just a little bit of data here. Again, there's a lot more you can read about it. Uh, there's a lot of great articles out there by scientists that you can look at about the, the plausibility uh, of this. First of all, when we're talking about how did he possibly fit all the animals on the ark, the first question we need to figure out is how many animals did he need to put on the ark? I think most people think he put hundreds of thousands of animals on the ark, or even a million animals, and that it would not be possible to fit all of those animals onto a boat. Well, Noah didn't need two of every species of animal. He needed two of every kind of animal. We see that later on in the chapter and into chapter 7. He he didn't need a representation of every single species of animal on the earth. He just needed two of every kind. In other words, he didn't need uh, two of every breed of dogs. He just needed two dogs. And from those two dogs came all the breeds of dogs after the flood. So then how many animals did Noah need? Well, scientists estimate that Noah only needed 16,000 land animals on the ark. 16,000. From those 16,000, all of the different species of animals could come. Some scientists estimate as low as 2,000 land animals on the ark is all that was necessary. But let's just say, for the sake of argument, let's take the bigger number, 16,000 Uh, land animals. And of course, Noah doesn't have to worry about the fish because there's a flood. The fish can just live in in the water. He only needs land animals. So 16,000 land animals. Okay. Now, what's the average size of a land animal? Well, you take all of the land animals on the earth today, you average their size. The average size land animal is smaller than a sheep. I know in our minds, we immediately picture, you know, the elephants and the hippopotamus and the giraffe on the ark. But when you take all of the land animals and you average their size together, it averages out to the size of a sheep. Most land animals are very small, actually. They're not very large at all. Okay, so we need 16,000 animals and... The average size is the size of a sheep. We've got this boat here that's, you know, 450 feet long and 75 feet wide and 45 feet high. And it's got three decks. Well, the storage capacity of the ark, based on the dimensions given, is the equivalent of, get this, 450 semi-trailers. You know, 415 18-wheelers that you could fit on the ark. Scientists calculate that the 16,000 animals would have filled only 47% of the ark, less than half. And they calculate that food would have filled about 6 to 12% of the ark and potable water an additional 9%. So that's a combined total of less than 70% of the total volume of the ark. Leaving plenty of room for, you know, shuffleboard and volleyball and mahjong and all of the other things that Noah and his family did to pass the time. But there's plenty of room on the ark. Plenty of room on the ark for the animals, for the food, for the water. They've got a lot of space left over. If anything... 
the question we should be asking is, why did God design it with all of that extra space? Well, in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, Noah is described as a preacher of righteousness. Noah warned the world of God's righteous judgment that was coming. Maybe he had all that extra space on the ark so Noah could invite people to be saved. So he could invite people to join him and his family on the ark and escape judgment. So he could say, hey, there's plenty of room. You, you can come with us. You can be saved. You can, you, you can come join us on the ark. There's plenty of space for you and for your family. You know, Jesus said, whosoever will may come. Jesus invites all people to come to him for salvation. He invites us all. He says, hey, there's, there's, you know, there's plenty of room. There's plenty of room in the kingdom of heaven. All who want to come can come. But Jesus also said, broad is the road that leads to destruction. And there are many on that broad road of destruction. And narrow is the road that leads to eternal life. And there are few people that find that narrow road. The reality is most people are content on the broad road. Very few people choose the narrow road that leads to eternal life. And so, yes, God had all of this extra room on the ark. And Noah was a preacher of righteousness in his generation, calling people to repent because judgment was coming, possibly inviting them to come onto the ark with him and his family and and be saved and escape God's judgment, just as we do as we share the gospel with people and we invite people to put their faith in Jesus Christ and be saved from judgment. But no one received Noah's invitation. Noah and his family were alone on the ark. No one joined Noah and his family. Although they had the opportunity, no one joined them. No one wanted to take that opportunity to escape God's judgment. And so Noah built this ark according to the dimensions that God laid out for him. And all the way down in verse 22, it says, Thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him. And so he did. Noah was faithful to what God called him to do. And he built this ark. Not not really understanding fully what was going to happen not really understanding what God meant by judgment or a flood or rain. But he obeyed the Lord. You know, and how often does God ask us to do something and we don't, we don't have the whole picture or we don't completely understand what God is saying or what God is asking or we don't know how all the pieces are going to come together and how it's all going to work out. Well, what do you do in that situation? You just simply do what God has asked you to do. You just do the next thing. Whatever the next thing is, you do the next thing that God has asked you to do. And you don't need to have the big picture. You don't need to have all of the information. You just need to obey the Lord. And that's what Noah did. He asked me how I know, and I say, bring truer than the finest crystal. You've been listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton as he teaches verse by verse through the book of Genesis. This Old Testament book of history and the start of what God created teaches you much about God's plan for the future. We hope you'll continue to tune in for Pastor Dan's studies. 
If you ever have any questions about what you've heard or would like someone to pray with, would you give us a call? You can reach us by calling 410-491-4592. Once again, that number is 410-491-4592. You can also fill out the prayer request form at calvaryec.com. Just click on the Connect tab to access it. We'd love to meet you in person, too. If you're in Columbia, Maryland, please join us this weekend for worship and studying Scripture together at Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. There will be time to meet your brothers and sisters in Christ, too, and to spend time in prayer. We look forward to sharing this time of worship together with you. You'll find service times and directions at our website, calvaryec.com. While you're there, be sure to check out additional teachings from the Bible. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. Once more, that's calvaryec.com. That's all we have time for today. There's much more to gain through this study through the book of Genesis. So be sure to join us next time on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize